0: who is intellectually locked or another word would be emotionally detached. Um, My personality might not be the same as someone else's, but this is my story. Um, Of course, when Gary and I got married, I didn't know that his heart was locked up. There were so many wonderful things about him and I do want to say right here in the beginning that I wouldn't be standing here today I wouldn't be sharing with you if we hadn't crossed over to the other side and gotten connected emotionally and so <clears throat> um, sometimes I think I don't want to say those things and Gary says say him, say him, say them <laughs> um, I really was locked up so there were so many good things about Gary um, that I saw he was um, a wonderful man. He's been a wonderful man, a faithful man. He's always been good to me. He's a positive person. He doesn't complain. He's very easygoing. He never dominated me. Um, he wasn't ever critical. He wasn't judgmental towards me. He always encouraged me to do things with other people. He was never possessive or jealous or um, selfish in any way. And he had a big, huge heart to help other people. He was never out to hurt me. Um, and I knew he cared for me. I knew he loved me. And we had many wonderful times together. Um, but what I didn't know when we got married was that as a teenager Gary had locked his heart down so that he wouldn't um, get hurt anymore. And he had become very independent and self-reliant. I also didn't know that he had made a vow. That he wasn't, I wasn't going to dominate him like he'd seen other women dominate their husbands. What he didn't know about me was that I didn't want to dominate him. I just wanted to please him. I just wanted to love him and make him happy. So we both came into marriage thinking different things. Um, I came into marriage very sensitive. I grew up uh, always being sensitive. I came um, into marriage with some rejection issues of my own. Um, Although I was very sympathetic, um, I was emotional. He wasn't emotional at all. But I always wanted to please him. We always thought differently. Um, One of the things that I wanted to do was to discuss with Gary. I wanted to talk. I wanted him to talk to me. I wanted to share things. And I found out that Gary hated discussions. I could never understand why he wouldn't want to share, why he wouldn't want to talk. Um, and he could never explain it. I would just keep trying to ask questions, keep trying to get into his heart and when I couldn't do that I usually took it personal and I'm thinking well, what did I do wrong? Why wouldn't you want to share with me? And um, I've only found out in the last few years since God opened his heart why he didn't want to have discussions. They would just were never good when he was growing up. They were always negative and bitter and angry. There was nothing positive about them. And so he didn't want to discuss anything. They always made him feel terrible. And so very early in our marriage as a young bride I very often felt misunderstood. I felt like my opinions, well first of all they weren't asked for. And if I gave them they didn't seem to be uh, very well received. And so my feelings got hurt. I didn't feel like um, my thoughts and my opinions were very valuable and I had a lot of negative thoughts. And sometimes I'd ask Gary, Gary, why do you love me? And he'd say lots of reasons. Well, you know, besides I cook your food and besides I wash your clothes and and take care of you, I mean, but what do you love about me? Oh, a lot of things. Could you name one? (laughs) And, you know, we'd work at it and he could come up with a few things. But it's like I'd have to uh, dig it out of him because it was hard for him to say those things. And I just wanted to be valuable to him. I wanted to, to be a helpmate. I wanted to be a team with him. I wanted us to, to be connected together, even though I didn't know this word emotionally connected. That's what my heart was longing for. And then, again, when I couldn't make him understand, I'd feel rejected. And this is the pattern that continued for many years in our life. We've been married 42 years, so been around a while, and this didn't happen all the time. We had wonderful times. We shared many good times together and things together, but a pattern over um, maybe every couple of months, every, depended, but you know, every now and then, this is the pattern that would happen. That something would happen between us and I would feel rejected. So then I would withdraw, get quiet, and I'd decide I don't want to talk anymore. And I'm not an angry person, and I'm not a fighter, and so I'd just shut down. And then I'd usually cry, and then I'd blame myself and I'd take everything personal. And whatever tension or whatever distance that I felt between us, I took it as my fault. And of course, gary not being an emotional person and not understanding me he didn't like it when i cried when we first got married he just didn't know what to do with me he didn't know how to sympathize with me he didn't know how to comfort me he mostly just knew how to be logical with me and um, just in as, as an example the first year we were married he forgot my birthday and it's very understandable in my uh, upbringing birthdays were a big deal they were really special In his family, birthdays were no deal and so it makes a lot of sense um, but it didn't take the hurt away and so when he realized that day that he had forgotten my birthday, he said, well, Marilyn, do you think I meant to hurt you? Well, no, no, you didn't mean to hurt me. Well, do you think that I forgot your birthday on purpose? No, you didn't, no, you didn't do it on purpose. Oh, okay then it's over for him
1: <laughs>
0: but there was no I'm sorry I forgot your birthday there was no comfort for my heart there was no validation that I could have even gotten hurt because he forgot my birthday and so many times after a very logical reasonable explanation then I'd get really down on myself because uh, well I'm just too sensitive I shouldn't have brought it up and then I'd feel guilty and then I'd take it all as my fault again and then I'd be sorry that I ever had this conversation. And then I would say, Lord, take my sensitivity away. I don't want to be sensitive. It makes me hurt. And I, I literally prayed that prayer many, many times that the Lord would take my sensitivity away. And He didn't answer that prayer. And so then I said, okay Lord, I'll change it. Lord, just make me tough like Gary, and then it won't matter what he does. And he didn't answer that prayer either. But there always was a longing in my heart that he would talk to me, that he would talk to my heart, that we could be close. Um, I wanted to know what would go on inside of him. And the only way that I figured I might get in would be just to ask questions. And so many times when I'd start asking questions, he'd say, Oh, I see we're playing 20 questions again. (laughs) But I might say, "Um, what are you thinking about? Nothing. How how are you feeling? Fine. Are are you upset about anything? No. Did I do something wrong? No, why would you ask that? Could we talk? Sure, go ahead. What do you want to talk about? And so then I'd give up again. You know, Gary could finish my sentences. He had an answer to fix me. He could reason everything out. You know, this man could pray for me. I could go to him, I could be crying, I could ask him to help me, and so he'd pray for me. But he could never let me in his heart. And I used to think that he must not wanna talk to me. I guess that's it, he just doesn't wanna talk to me. But what I've come to find out is that he couldn't talk to me because his heart was so locked up. He didn't know how to do that. But something happened to me through all those many years without any encouragement, without any sympathy, without any validation, without any comfort. My heart just shriveled up and I got bitter. And I built a wall, very tall wall of bitterness between Gary and I. And I remember really seeking the Lord and over a process of years praying and I, I felt the Lord asking me one night to confess every time I'd resented Gary. And I said, Oh Lord, well that's absolutely impossible. There's just too many times and I couldn't remember them. And besides Lord, they're mostly his fault. And I felt the Lord speaking to my heart and saying, Marilyn, this isn't about who's right or wrong. This isn't um, about whose fault it is. This is about what happened to you and what happened to your heart. And I finally said, okay, Lord, if you'll help me. And He brought one thing to my mind. And as soon as I dealt with that one thing and brought it to the Lord, He brought another thing to my mind and I think it went on for hours and I think there were hundreds of things which I have no idea what they are today because Jesus took them and the next morning when I got up Gary looked different to me because I had taken down the wall of bitterness brick by brick by brick I know that that isn't how God works with everyone but that's what he did for me and over the years dealing with my heart with my own heart and um, in forgiving and cleansing and taking down this wall of bitterness um, the Lord gave me a new identity and he told me something he said Marilyn I made you sensitive not to use on yourself all the time in self-pity but to use for others and it's been amazing only just a few years ago when the Lord unlocked Gary's heart He's told me that God used my sensitivity all through those years to chip away at his old hard heart that was locked up. I didn't know that. And I'm so thankful that God didn't answer my prayer, that he knew what what was needed. In 2001, we went to the first um, in-depth training seminar for caring for the heart, and that's when uh, the miracle happened. At that time, Gary's heart was unlocked. Um, he saw the light, as he said, and it was the beginning. It wasn't just all—he'll never be sensitive and emotional like me. But he saw uh, the light come on. He saw that um, he saw me differently. He looks at me differently, and um, even this has been a process. But in the in the last years, he lets me in his heart. And he sees that I'm for him, that I'm, I'm not, I wasn't out to dominate him, that I am for him. And he understands me in a way that he never understood me before. He understands that I need to be heard, and he wants to hear me. I think one of the things that really blesses my heart is that he notices. He notices me. He... Um, knows when I'm down. He might say, what's going on, Marilyn? And I say, oh, nothing. He goes, no, 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 no. Let's sit down and talk. He's asking me to talk. Um, He wants to listen to me. He wants to care for me. And many times through the years, even because it's been a long process and we've been married so many years, a lot of good things have happened along the way as we've sought the Lord and um, both of us seeking for a deeper walk with Jesus and... Um, I remember when um, he uh, saw that scripture and, and really read it again over and over to live with your, your wife in an understanding way. And he said, okay, my wife, she's got to talk and she's got to cry, I'm going to let her. And this was, you know, 25 years ago or something. And, and it, that was a great help because he began to just hold me and let me cry and let me talk. He wasn't talking to me, but he let me talk and pray for me. And it was good. But inside, I still felt like he was tolerating that. And when the Lord unlocked his heart, I don't feel tolerated anymore. I feel cherished. I feel like I'm a gift to him. Um, He can comfort me when I cry. He encourages me when I'm down. I feel valuable. I feel cherished and through the years the the Lord has um, opened his heart so wide to me and it's such a blessing to hear Gary pray and to sometimes see his tears and to hear the longings in his heart when he prays to the Lord. One of the things that the Lord gave me um, as I was seeking him I finally gave up one time and just said Lord If Gary never talks to me, I still want to be the woman of God that you want me to be. And he put a prayer in my heart that night as I was crying my eyes out. And that was, Lord, would you make me the wife that you want me to be to Gary? Not the wife that I'm trying to be or the one that he thinks I should be, but the one that you want me to be, because then I'll be everything that he needs. And Lord Jesus, would you make Gary the husband that you want him to be, not the one I'm trying to make him? And not the one He's satisfied to be, but the one that you want Him to be. And then He'll be everything I need. And the Lord has truly, I know He put that prayer in my heart because He's answered that prayer. And the relationship that He has brought to us and that He has given us, that He has made us a team, um, it just keeps getting better and better. And a few years ago we were going through a really hard time in our family. And I remember crying and um, Gary Both of us were down, and we'd talk about things, and uh, he said to me one day, uh, Marilyn, it's not the end of the story. The story isn't over. And, you know, that's what's happening with our marriage. It's not over. It's not the end of the story. It keeps getting better and better. And I just want to thank the Lord that um, he has used our pain for good. He has used um, our two personalities to blend them together for good and that has allowed us now to help other people and we can keep connecting and keep talking we enjoy being together we're just best friends and I just thank the Lord for what he's done
1: Before we begin the second session, I'd like to introduce some of the material on the table, in case you're interested. Um, The first book I ever wrote was Biblical uh, Solutions to Personal Problems. In this book, I identify the different problems that uh, the Bible defines, like anger, depression, fear, uh, bitterness, and outlined everything I found in the Bible on those topics. Uh, It comes with a Uh, a workbook if you want to teach us in Sunday school or if you want to use it in a home Bible study. Some parents use this in their devotional time, but their families just allows you to study different problems and identify what the Bible says about those specific problems. Another book back there is called Building Christian Character. I took the time to read through the New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs, and I listed all the different character qualities God wants in our lives. There's 114 of them defined in the beginning. Uh, here's everything I found on forgiveness uh, defined. I just wrote down uh, what I found. Uh, here's everything I found on uh, uh, kindness. Here's everything I found on uh, godliness and just outline that information. Uh, some, and this also comes with a Bible study. Um, I preached messages on all of these while I was a pastor, and I enjoyed studying those passages and understanding them better. Uh, some people put these by their telephone, so someone calls and says, I'm really depressed. And you open your book, tab depression, here are the characteristics of a depressed person given in the Bible, here are the consequences. Here are the seven steps God used in the Bible to help people that were depressed. And um, people on the phone say, where are you getting all this information from? That's in the book right in front of you. And uh, it just gives you a resource and and it's available on the table. I'd like for you to take the 12 emotional issues that you see on your sheet that you received earlier. And uh, in this final session, what I'd like to do is identify uh, five of those and define, how do you actually resolve pain issues inside of a person's heart? Marilyn, uh, the lady that just gave her testimony, uh, was married to Gary. Gary's mother had a hearing problem, and everybody screamed in the house. And um, Gary, being the oldest of six children, uh, basically uh, never was valued by his mother his father you could never discuss anything with him he would always be angry and put his children down so gary learned to emotionally detach and if you look down about the sixth one on the left hand column gary was sympathetic at 2% married to a wife who was 98% sympathetic that's the testimony you just read gary could be objective But he had pulled a switch in his childhood during one of the events of conflict with his father. And he says, I will never let myself feel again. No one's going to hurt me. And when he pulled that switch, he detached and his wife emotionally um, never received an emotional connection with him until he recognized that and resolved that spiritual issue in his heart. We're going to talk about 12, <clears throat> five of the twelve different ways people are damaged. And what I did was I just took the time to make a list of every kind of pain emotionally that came into my office. And then I combined some of them and I came up with a list of twelve that you see on the screen behind you. I'd like to just define five of those in this final message and define how do you actually help a person come to freedom. Or if you've experienced some of these, how do you actually come to freedom from these issues? The first is abandonment. Abandonment means to leave, to forsake, to give away, to turn one's back on. A mother uh, had 11 children and when the 10th child, who was a little girl, was born, she was so overwhelmed because her her husband was an alcoholic and angry and abusive and into pornography, and the mother couldn't take care of all 11 children. And so she basically, emotionally pulled away from the 10th and 11th child. The 10th was a girl who came into my office and she married uh, a young man after being involved with numerous men. Because her dad was in pornography, she knew that if she was going to get the attention of men, she had to give herself to them premaritally, and we're going to talk about that tomorrow night. So, eleven boyfriends took advantage of her. She didn't want to be involved sexually with them, but she gave herself to them to try and get love. When she came into my office, I asked her, did anyone ever connect with you to care? I mean, you had a mother, you had a father? A person who drinks alcohol is very self-focused and unsympathetic, so she never got love from her father. Her mother didn't want her, uh, but because she was conceived and born in the family, she had to be taken care of, but her mother never connected with her. And I asked her a question, did any of the 10 boyfriends you had before you met your husband ever connect with you? She says, no. I said, did anybody ever loved you? She says, no, no one's ever connected with me. I have never experienced a day of love. Can you imagine being married 20 years, sitting in an office and someone saying that to you? What happened was no one ever connected with her. She had been abandoned all of her life and no one ever took time to care about her emotional need. How is a person affected by abandonment, by the way, If you've purchased the Caring for the Emotionally Damaged Heart, this book, we're on page 42, 43. So if you'd like to follow along, everything that's on the screen is listed right on this sheet on page 42. So if you have that book, uh, you don't have to take notes, um, it's listed right there. When a person is abandoned as a child, what happens is they constantly fear that someone's going to pull away from them in relationship. They um, Threats to leave cause a reaction. Any experience close uh, to the one they experienced as a child of people pulling away from them and not loving them causes a reaction. And they emotionally long for an emotional connection they did not receive as a child. We talked the other night about emotional pain words. A person that's been abandoned will say, uh, uh, will mark words like alone, avoided, deserted, didn't belong, forsaken, ignored, left out, lonely, unwanted. A professional counselor in Nebraska came into my office. She was abandoned by her mother at age four. Her mother wrote a note on the table uh, that she couldn't be there anymore and just left. She was sexually abused by her brother and an uncle from ages six to 14. Her father was an alcoholic, self-focused, unsympathetic, And she married a chiropractor uh, who was emotionally detached and in pornography. She came into my office wanting me to fix her husband's pornography, which we did. And it's interesting, after we worked through the pornography issue, I began to ask her about her pain and she began to share the fact that her father, being an alcoholic, never connected with her. Her mother left the home when she was four. And uh, Her husband was emotionally detached. Here's the prayer I led this lady in. Jesus, I felt so hurt when my mother abandoned the family when I was four. Can you draw a picture of how my heart was damaged by my mother's absence? What did that do to my heart? Have I forgiven her? Jesus, how would you heal my heart from the pain I felt? Can you bring peace to my heart so I can open it up to my mom and also to my husband? What do you want me to do when I feel abandoned or hurt in this way by my husband or someone else? I have found in my personal ministry that there are two ways to heal emotional pain. One is to lead a person in a prayer with prayers like this. And in the book, Caring for the Emotionally Damaged Heart, we define 21 different pain issues and there's a prayer for each of those pain issues that you can lead a person in. The second issue is to get one person to care about that person's pain. In the case of this lady, I led her in a prayer to disconnect her pain. Secondly, I had her husband start caring about a four-year-old girl whose mother left the home. A little girl whose father never connected with her. A little girl who had never been loved. When he started caring about that emotional pain in her heart, all of a sudden it was like her whole heart opened up and she started responding to being loved. Here are words um, that a spouse can share with a person who's been abandoned. I don't want you to ever feel abandoned again. I want you to feel safe that I will never pull away from you or damage you like your mother did. I would like for you to feel secure with me. Can I care about the pain you feel when others abandon you? I want to understand the pain you feel when others abandon you, I will never leave you. And here are verses given in the Bible. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I am with you always, casting all your care upon Him, for it matters to Him about you. One of the things we have to be cautious of is we don't just throw verses at people who've been emotionally damaged. No, we drop into our heart and when we share verses of scripture, we communicate them uh, with a heart of love and people will not react to them. The second emotional pain is the pain of neglect. When a person is neglected, um, they're not cared for, people don't pay attention to them. Uh, They feel unwanted, forgotten. There are two ways that people are neglected, emotionally and physically. Emotional neglect is when a person is not talked to, not affirmed as a child, not valued as a child. You remember we shared earlier that there are two different ways people are damaged. By things they did not receive that they should have received, and secondly, by ways someone emotionally damaged them. Neglect is where someone doesn't get what they should have received. If a child is not talked to and with, what happens is that child feels neglected, feels pain. But there's a second kind of uh, neglect and that's physical neglect. And that's if a person is not fed properly. Now it's interesting, a number of years ago, a dentist came into my office. Before he came into my office, they flew into Colorado Springs and he said to his wife, we need to go find a grocery store so we have enough food. He bought 18 sacks of groceries for five days of counseling and he carried them into his motel room. His wife didn't understand why he would, at 45 years of age, need 18 sacks of groceries. Uh, We have 450 restaurants in town and there's plenty of food. Uh, We didn't have a lack of food in Colorado Springs. But when I started talking with them, I began to realize that he and four other siblings were placed in a children's home. And he was the runt of the children's home. And everybody, when the table was um, put up with food, everybody would run to the table and they'd eat all the food of them. By the time he got there, there wasn't any food left. So now he's 45 years of age and he's still struggling with that emotional neglect problem. Parents that adopt children from third world countries often find that those children raid the refrigerator three in the morning because they're scared there's not going to be food, that they're going to be physically neglected. Why? Because that pain as a child that damaged them emotionally comes out when they're adopted in a Christian home where parents love them and they're provided with everything they need. The only problem is that pain is still inside. I'll never forget a a Mennonite man came into my office and he was depressed at 99%. And I asked him, were you loved as a child? He says, no, nobody talked to me. I played by myself. And all my brothers and sisters didn't like me. And at the table, everybody would be eating around the table. and I hadn't eaten my cereal yet. I hadn't even put cereal in my dish. Nobody noticed that I hadn't eaten my cereal. And because nobody connected with him emotionally, that was a cause of why he was depressed. And why he was struggling in his adult life. How does neglect affect a person? If a person has been emotionally or physically neglected, they're going to fear being neglected again. And they'll react and have difficulty trusting other people. Emotional pain words that they're going to mark or words like avoided, excluded, left out would be words that they would identify. And here's the prayer. This is a prayer of a boy whose parents emotionally neglected him never asked him why he wasn't eating, never talked or played with him. Jesus, I was neglected as a child by my parents and siblings. I felt so alone, uncared for and excluded. Jesus, what did that do to my heart? Could you draw me a picture of my heart damaged? Could you heal my heart? How would you do that? Jesus, could you give me a Bible story of how how you were different from those who neglected me? Could you bring peace to my heart? And here's words to encourage a person who has been neglected. Can I care about a boy that has always felt emotionally neglected? What if I sought to understand how it felt for you to be neglected and began to care for that emotional need? Here's an example of a girl. There was a little girl who was neglected by both of her parents. Can I find her heart and make sure she feels loved and gets her emotional needs met? You must feel lonely having been neglected. Can I care about that pain? One thing I've found when you're working with people is if you go back to the age in which that pain first was felt and you care about that person at that age, their heart will open within a few seconds. So if you have, for example, a wife who was never talked to, who was emotionally neglected and nobody really wanted her, And let's say that pain hit when she was eight years of age. If you look at your wife and say, what if I cared about an eight-year-old girl who emotionally was neglected by each member of her family? I don't want her to feel that pain. What if I cared? What happens is that wife's face will light up and she'll immediately want to respond because you've identified and understood a pain in her past. You're caring about that. And she immediately... Um, in fact, her face will light up just like an eight-year-old's would have lit up if someone had given her attention. And that happens in my office regularly when you start caring about person's pain. The third emotional issue is what Marilyn's was in the testimony, emotional detachment. Emotional detachment is defined as not being cared for being unloved, not involved or concerned for another, indifferent, not capable of giving love. How does emotional detachment affect a person? A person that's not loved, obviously will feel uncared for. They will constantly long for affection. And often a person will cry inside. In my office I ask people, do you ever cry? I've had men who cry every day, I've had women more often women, who cry every day because no one understands the pain. If someone says, yes, I cry at least once or twice a week or every day, I ask them, why are you crying? What's happening inside? When you focus on their heart to ask those questions and they become open and honest with you, all of a sudden they're going to make statements like, I cry because no one values me, no one loves me, no one cares about me, no one wants to cherish me. All of a sudden all that pain is going to come out. When you lead them in a prayer and Jesus heals that pain, you get one person to care about that. What happens is 80% of that pain can go away. A person will also hide their heart so it will never be hurt again. Or they may fear sharing their heart with others and they may close their heart. And detach their heart. If a person's not loved, it's interesting what they do with their heart. If one parent is unloving, the child will seek love and attention from the other parent, a grandparent or someone else. If a child cannot connect to a person, they will connect to an animal. I've had four women, adult women, who emotionally connected to their dog. And one of those individuals was sitting in my office and I said, how much time do you spend talking with your dog? Well, only two hours a day. I mean, I snapped my fingers and he jumped six feet in the air and he's so excited to see me home. I said, uh, look at your husband and ask him if he's jealous of the attention you give to your dog. And the husband starts crying. And she says, I didn't know. And then I go to find out, why are you connected to a dog? And I find out at age four, her mother goes to work and she comes home so depressed and overwhelmed, she goes to bed. And this girl has to take care of the cleaning of the house, the meals, uh, the washing of the clothes, she has to take care of everything. Her father never did connect with her but her parents gave her a little puppy when she was four, when the mother went to work and she connected with that puppy. She only was without a dog in college because she wasn't allowed to have a dog in college. And as soon as she got out of college, she got a dog, made her husband promise her that she could have a dog. And one day her husband was upset with her dog and shot her dog through the stomach. That was the end of him. She pulled her heart away and would never trust her husband again. And she stayed connected with her dog. I had a little prayer, prayed Jesus do you want me to stay married to my dog or do you want me to divorce him and marry my husband emotionally? That's kind of a different prayer obviously. And um, Jesus showed her that she needed to open her heart to her husband. Had to help her husband resolve his issues obviously. Six weeks after they they counseled in my office. She wrote me and said, I had to divorce my horse and my bird too. So she was connected to three animals and those animals were safe. By the way, dogs keep wagging their tails. You can't hurt a dog. They always come back. It's spouses that you can hurt and they will emotionally lock up. There's a third thing I'd like to say. If a daughter is not loved by a father, She will often seek to get attention from other men. And in our culture, because so much focuses on sexuality, women realize that if they're going to get the attention of men, they have to give men what they want. 85% of girls who agree to premarital sex don't want sex but they give premarital sex to their boyfriends because they're scared of losing them, they're scared of not getting love. If a child is not loved, he or she will seek fulfillment in lust, pornography, defrauding, premarital sex, homosexuality to fill their emotional need for love. If you were to ask me what is the core problem in our culture, and I'm talking generally, I'm not talking about this church or any other specific area, It's the fact that we don't know how to love our children. We don't know how to love our spouse on an emotional level. And that's why we develop so many problems like people feeling alone, unloved, neglected, not cared for. What are the pain words associated with not being loved? Alone, insensitive, unwanted, left out, lonely, neglected are all words. Here's the prayer, and I'm not going to read the prayer, I don't like to bore you with reading a prayer, but uh, the prayers in the book if you would like a prayer to resolve that, and here's words to affirm a person who's been damaged. In a marriage relationship, there are four things that I evaluate with every marriage that comes into my office. First of all, can a husband emotionally care about his wife? Can a wife take love in? Can A a wife emotionally care about her husband, can he feel loved? Those four keys are critical. Sometimes all four arrows are broken. Nobody knows how to love, nobody knows how to respond to love. Sometimes you have a girl like Marilyn coming from a home where she could have easily taken love in. She could have easily given love because she had 20 years of experience with her parents but her husband didn't know how to love because he had been locked, emotionally detached, and Gary didn't know how to respond to feeling love. So in that case, two arrows on one side uh, were broken and needed to be resolved. The fourth uh, pain issue we'd like to talk about is rejection. To reject means to discard, to not want, to refuse, to not cared for. Characteristics of a person who feels rejected is when a person's feeling rejected gets depressed, they focus on themselves and their pain, they have negative thoughts that control their mind, they feel sorry for themselves, they can't see another's need. they have unresolved anger, loss of joy and positive attitude, they complain and often withdraw from others. One of the consequences of feeling rejected is a person becomes self-focused and they don't notice another person. So in a marriage relationship, the husband's focused on himself and his pain, the wife's focused on herself and her pain. Both of these two individuals can't love their kids because they're so focused on their pain. So then you have children wanting attention, the parents can't give them attention, and the children feel rejected and you have a cycle that continues generation after generation. One out of every four people coming into my office, by the way that's not the national average because I only get problems in my office, one out of four people is depressed over 80%. And when you ask them to look at their spouse to try and focus to care about their spouse, they don't know how to do that, they know how to focus on their pain, they can talk about their pain, but they can't focus on caring about another person, and so a self-focused person often um, can't love because of the pain of the depression they're experiencing. An example is a girl who was conceived out of wedlock by rebellious uh, teenagers. Both of her grandparents asked <clears throat> the parents to abort her, and they rejected her for 42 years. Her father left home when she was age four, and her stepdad physically and emotionally abused her. Here's the prayer. I let her in. Jesus, I was rejected by all four of my grandparents who didn't want me to live. They wanted to take my life through abortion. Jesus, I felt so unwanted, unaccepted, and lonely. Could you draw a picture of what my heart looked like having been rejected? How would you heal that pain? Can you bring peace to my heart? Jesus, can you make a safe place where I can go whenever I'm rejected and not valued? This particular lady was a pastor's wife that emotionally had been, ra- had been raised in a Roman Catholic home. All four of her grandparents wanted her aborted because she was conceived out of wedlock and the pa- grandparents were embarrassed. And um, the father says, no, I don't want to abort my child and she was raised but on 42 birthdays no one ever celebrated her birthday because her birthday was an embarrassment to the family and she lived that for 42 years until she came into my office to resolve that. Here are words to encourage a person that's been rejected, I don't want you to feel rejected by me. I want you to feel accepted and understood. How can I care for you and meet your needs for acceptance? How can I care about the pain you've received from those who have rejected you? Will you forgive me for the way your grandparents emotionally damaged your heart? The fifth and the final emotional pain is the bottom one. This is the one that most people would have difficulty understanding, so I'm going to explain it to you. It's a problem called drained emotionally. It's when you have a depressed mother who's so focused on her pain, she doesn't focus on her children, she's only focused on herself. I have adult men coming into my office and they say, I can't talk to my mom on the phone, she's 80 years old, and she talks about her pain all the time and I have to listen to her and I just can't stand my mom. That's because she's so depressed and focused on her pain that she drains her son and her son is frustrated with that. I have wives that are so focused on their pain and they drain their husbands emotionally. I have mothers who drain their children emotionally because they need their children to meet their needs. By the way, if a husband meets his wife's emotional need and the wife meets the husband's emotional need, children never get damaged by being drained emotionally by the parents. But the problem is if you have a husband who's detached with a wife who's depressed, that wife will emotionally connect to her children and get her emotional needs met with the children. Then when the children grow up and uh, they start pulling away, the mother tries to grab harder onto the children, not letting them go. And the children have to rebel to get away from that connection from mother. And weddings are like funerals to mothers like that because they're emotionally connected to the child instead of emotionally connected to their spouse you'd be shocked at how many families are connected in this way. And the biggest problem is because husbands don't understand how to meet the emotional needs of the wife. Wives don't know how to meet the needs of the husband. And so what happens is the husband is pulling away from the wife, the wife is connecting to the children. Or you can have a husband connecting to the children and draining the children as well. When mother gets up in the morning and she says, mommy needs her hug. She's saying, I need you to meet my need. If a mother gets up in the morning and says, I want to give you a hug. I love you so much. What's happening is mom is filling the child's cup, a God never designed mothers to use their children to meet their emotional needs for love. What is the definition of drained emotionally? to need another to meet one's emotional pain needs, to feel empty after meeting another's emotional needs because they drain you, to be frustrated in meeting another's emotional needs because they're so self-focused on their pain. A couple was sitting in my office and I was talking to the husband and he was depressed, uh, over 90 percent, and I said, tell me why you get depressed what pain do you have? And he began to describe his pain. And as soon as I was talking about his pain, his wife's chair went two foot to the door. I have wheels on my chairs for obvious reasons. And uh, I noticed that the chair was clear by the door. And so I began talking to the wife and slowly the chair came back. I always checked three times, so I turned to the husband and I said, can you tell me again? about your pain and your depression and as soon as he started talking negatively about all of his pain the chair went to the door again and then slowly it came back so i tried a third time sure enough it went i turned to the wife and i said did you have a parent that was depressed like a mom or a dad she says well my dad left when i was three weeks old Uh, he had an affair started drinking alcohol, and left my mom when I was three weeks old. And she said, my aunt told me that my mom was scared to death after dad left. And um, so at two o'clock in the morning when she nursed me, she would pour out her pain while she was nursing me. And she would be scared because I didn't have any money. She would talk to me about that. She would talk to me about all of her insecurities. And she still does that today. So the mother drained this girl. 90% of the time you marry your worst parent, she marries a husband who is depressed just like her mother. So every time the husband focuses on his pain, she pulls away and she blocks because she can't deal with that pain. So I led the husband. We had to figure out why he was depressed. We're going to talk about this uh, Thursday night led him in a prayer to disconnect the cause of his depression, led the wife to resolve her pain of being drained emotionally and for the first time this couple could emotionally connect in a relationship. What are some ways a child becomes emotionally drained? A mother is emotionally struggling and depends on one of her children to care for her emotional needs. A wife feels rejected and is not loved by her husband and emotionally connects to one or more of her children to get her emotional needs met. A child must give to meet the mother's need. A mother asks a son or daughter questions about decisions she should be asking her husband. Why does a child react to being drained? A child is not capable of emotionally fulfilling his or her parents' needs. God designed parents to meet children's needs, not the reverse. Here are the pain words. Here's the prayer. Um, Jesus, I felt so frustrated when my mother kept asking questions she should have asked my father regarding their problems. Mom would come to me crying, trying to get me to understand her frustration. I got so tired of listening to my mother's problems. Jesus, what did that do to my heart? How did that affect my relationship and responding to my wife when she was hurting and needs me to be sympathetic and the rest of the prayer and here's words to encourage a person now i'd like for you just to look at this sheet i went over five of these twelve uh, there's a total of twelve there are other pain words that uh, people experience that are not on this sheet i tried to uh, put the ones on later in the week. I'm going to show you that Jesus experienced every one of these 12 emotional pain issues. And he can identify with you in your pain. As we close tonight, if you've been damaged in any one of these emotional ways, I would encourage you um, just to identify. it. If you say, my parents never emotionally connected with me. And you check that. I want you to take a few minutes tonight just to pray. Jesus, and just acknowledge. Jesus, my parents emotionally detached from me. Just like Marilyn's husband detached from her. Jesus, what did that do to my heart? Can you draw a picture of my heart damaged? Jesus, and then let Jesus prompt a picture. Jesus, how would you heal my heart from that? And let Jesus prompt. Either verse, a picture um, of Him who's desire to heal that in your heart. Jesus, can you bring peace to my heart? I just want to be free from the issues I'm struggling with. If you follow this method, the average person loses 80% of their pain in one prayer. Now people laugh at me and say, John, it doesn't work. But I had just recently um, in Florida at a conference A lady just sat down with another lady, identified how she was damaged, identified her pain, led her in a prayer. The lady was depressed over 90 percent. The lady lost her depression in one session, couldn't find it. Why? Because this particular person identified the pain, led her in a prayer, Jesus brought His peace to bear in their heart. And what happened is the person Uh, all of a sudden lost their pain. Now, if you have multiple issues, take one at a time. Don't do them all this evening. Take one tonight. If the Spirit of God prompts another issue tomorrow night, take that one tomorrow night. Take one at a time because I don't want you to be overwhelmed and uh, if you need help we have a team of counselors here this week if you need someone to pray with you we would love to do that just to sit down with you and pray with you regarding the issues that you're struggling with my prayer is that each one of us that has been damaged emotionally would experience freedom from that pain bitterness is the result Of pain that we can't release. The emotional pain is the original source leading to bitterness which leads to all those other things we talked about. When you resolve the emotional pain bitterness falls over like dominoes and you don't have to deal with your bitterness because the pain has been resolved through Jesus bringing peace to that pain. I wish someone would have found me when I was 18 and encouraged me to pray a very simple prayer. It would have saved me 20 years of depression, but that didn't happen. And I'm kind of glad it didn't happen because I wouldn't have been burdened for people that are struggling. That 20 years of pain that I carried allowed me to be sympathetic to other people that are hurting and to care about their needs, and that's really why I'm here. So you could come to freedom from the issues you're struggling with. Jesus desires to bring peace to every heart, and he can do that as we bring our pain to him. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege of being able to share this evening together. I thank you for each person here And Father, if we've stepped on any issues or identified issues that have created pain, I pray that your spirit would just bring peace to each individual heart. I pray that you would um, heal each individual heart that's been damaged emotionally. And I pray that you would bring glory to yourself. And I thank you so much that you can resolve those issues in our hearts so that we don't have to carry the pain that we've experienced from our past thank you for your love and the fact that you care about each of our hearts in christ's name amen amen will you
0: stand as we close this evening um we're just going to sing the chorus of the hymn that we've been singing this this uh last couple of days already turn your eyes upon jesus and i just want to Quickly read the first verse. O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. And let's just close then this evening and and Pastor Ken will pray after we've sung this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus.
2: We're gonna pray and, and if you would like to receive prayer or have a need that, that you're dealing with, uh, we want you to know that you're welcome to come up after the service and there'll be those of us that will love to pray with you. Um, so at the conclusion of this evening, let's, let's go to the Lord. Father, we, we've, we've been invited to turn our eyes upon you in various ways this evening as we've gained understanding of some of these issues that we deal with and and may not even understand why we're dealing with them in the way that we are, the manner that we're experiencing them, we know that we, in our pain, in our difficulties, in our hardships, can turn our eyes on you. Lord, you are that source of healing and wholeness that we long for. And so, Father, we just come before you. We thank you for this evening. And we pray that as we have opportunity to reflect on what we've heard, that we will turn our eyes upon you. And So help us to that end. We thank you for your goodness and your grace, your protection, your provision, your forgiveness in our lives. And we thank you for this evening. We ask these things in your name. Amen.